This episode of United We Stand is sponsored by Bet on Brazil. Visit betonbrazil.com for the very latest odds and offers. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitton. And as you can hear, there's United fans close by singing. I'm not outside Tam Platz, I'm not outside the Bishop Blaze. I'm on the main street in Oslo, the capital of Norway, stood outside the Scotsman's pub. Before me, I can see a pub packed with United fans. It's a beautiful uh, late summer's day here in Oslo. There are flags outside the pub. There are, there's a huge Manchester United Supporters Club Scandinavia flag, complete with the national flags of Sweden, Denmark and Norway. Uh, the Supporters Club has got 42,000 paid-up members. And that's not likes on Facebook, that's paid-up members. And that's members drawn predominantly from a country with a population of, well, I'm going to be corrected very shortly, just short of 5 million people. So we're looking at about 1% of the entire population is a paid-up Manchester United fan. And I'm here today because it's the 35th anniversary birthday party of the Scandinavian Supporters Club. Uh, there's a lot of former players have come over to Oslo. Brian Robson, Norman Whiteside, uh, Ronnie Johnson, uh, uh, Ben Thornley, Dwight York, David May, uh, Lee Martin, and a couple of us have come over from Manchester. Pete Boyle's singing his songs. Band called Electric Stars are over, and the FA Cup's over as as well. There's a lovely atmosphere. I'm going to speak to some of the people who have mentioned and speak to some of the people from the supporters club. But first of all, one of the gentlemen who's been involved with the supporters club from the start. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, uh, Andy. Nice to see you here in Oslo. Well, it's very, very nice to, to be here. You must be very proud. Yeah, yeah I am. I am, definitely. Definitely. We, we never thought of anything like this when we founded the club in, back in 1981. So to see what's uh, what's happening all these years and uh, to be able to celebrate our anniversary uh, weekend like this is absolutely magnificent. Why United for a lot of the the people? Well, it's it's down to the uh, you know, you know uh, more or less all Norwegians in the 70s and 80s had a, had a, um, English favourite team in addition to their own Norwegian, and we were quite uh, early out to watch live football on the Saturdays over here in Norway. So uh, let's say it was also it was a dream for us to have a favourite team uh, from UK and United was that's down to the history of the club, all the great players they played with. Of course, in the 70s and 80s, the majority of the uh, supporters over here became yeah, Liverpool supporters, but uh, we still were number two in the uh, in the uh, 80s as well. And uh, of course, when the success came in the 90s and uh, and further on, we. Uh, we are far the biggest uh, supporters club in uh, Scandinavia at the moment. United and Liverpool, to be fair, are both huge here. I think Liverpool have got 37,000 paid-up members. And then there's a big drop-off to third. And you've got teams then like Chelsea and Arsenal. And then a further drop-off to teams like um, Manchester City. Um, tell us, you, you obviously you can't come over for every single game, but a lot of your members do go over very frequently to, to Old Trafford. Yeah. What does that entail? And it's not just people from Oslo, there's people from within the Arctic Circle. Yeah, definitely. Of course, uh, it's, uh, it's a long, long country, Norway. It's a, it's a huge country, so for those living far north, it's, uh, it's quite difficult to get over. I maybe need two days to travel, actually. But it's, it's quite convenient from Oslo. You can have a diary flight to Manchester, 
and uh, supporters are coming over a regular uh, basis. Some are there once a season, some are there up to ten times a season. So, so the interest lot. is uh, is more than uh, once huge, a month. Yeah. yeah, that's more than once a month. Yeah. And I, I spoke to a lad last night, and he just said, "Yeah, I'm going tomorrow." Like, you going to Hull? He said, "Yeah." So we sat talking in Oslo. I said, "How are you getting to Hull in time for kickoff?" He said, "Fly to Stansted, train north to Hull." back to London after the game, stay over, fly back the following day. There's an incredible level of commitment. Of course it is. It's, it's quite a lot to uh, those who travel most. They always travel to London because it's yeah. cheaper flights. But they have to go from London, from the airport to Manchester every every, every weekend as well. Then. And uh, often uh, you spend the, the, the night to the Saturday just on a coach or on a train up and uh, go back immediately after the game again so uh, yeah I'm, I'm unfortunately too old for that uh, way of travel but uh, there is uh, quite a lot who does it as, as actually within your 35 years of the branch the technology's changed a lot you, you, you now have the internet you now have the w- budget airlines yeah that's yeah. changed I'd imagine yeah. the way that people travel because I speak to people like um, Lars Morton when he started going in the late 70s, he'd catch a boat because flights were so expensive. Well, flights were expensive at that time, yeah. So we, we could go via Sweden, actually, to Harwich in uh, south of the UK. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, so you get a boat from, from Sweden to Harwich. Yeah. Got, Gothenburg to Harwich. Gothenburg yeah. to Harwich. Yeah, yeah. But Harwich is still five well, still, hours from it, Manchester. It, it is, yeah. Or yeah, then, yeah. probably six before yeah. they built the. But this was, uh, this was a long, long weekend trip for us, at least, at least Friday, Monday, yeah. So, and as you said, the technology has been uh, extremely changed in the years we have run. In, this, in the first 10, 15 years, we, also, we, we could give information about Manchester United out to our members through our newsletters and our magazines. But, uh, yeah, the information always uh, coming out before it's, before it's happened, nearly. So you get the information maybe from people in England, you'd write it here, and that was fresh. Now... Yeah. All of your members are already online. They're already reading the sources of information. So it's been uh, completely changed there. So in terms of content, because you still produce a slick magazine, you've just got to find original angles. Yeah, yeah, we 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 have have to make deeper stories about uh, different things, and there is a lot of stories to write about. But I I was talking to Beata, who's one of the writers who writes those deeper stories. He was telling me about 12 and 13-page features. Yeah, yeah about Adrian Doherty where yeah. they'll go to Derry to meet his father yeah. that's a depth of coverage you won't find anywhere else no may, maybe not but you won't. I mean I, I heard at United We Stand we yeah, could maybe yeah. go to four pages yeah. we couldn't go to 13 pages no. because our readers just, mm. you know, it's just mm. I'm, I'm impressed that you can go so deep on things mm. and, and that you have the resources because journalism is expensive it, it to is go to Derry yeah. Doesn't, it's not free no, 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 and no, to dig no. out original stuff because that's hard anyone can write a blog yeah. about how United are playing yeah. but to, to get to original get, quotes yeah. and you get original interviews don't you yeah we, we, we do yeah and we are proud of that because everyone can read what uh, Paul Pogba is eating to dinner or what he thinks in the uh, in the dressing room or whatever at the moment but to really find uh, different stories and, uh, and uh, stories which could which we feel should interest people as well because there is there is more uh, Adrian Dorothy than there is uh, Paul Pogba, of course. So uh, yeah, there so is. To, so to give it a, a mix and a balance yeah. of uh, everything, it's it's important for us and to, to tell to, to tell every side of 
of the United story. And to educate them as well. Of because course it is, yeah. It's one thing reading transfer stories, but as you say, there's much more interest in... I feel it's, it's more difficult to educate the younger ones now because everything's happened in, in a second it's happened. So, so, so it's, it's difficult, more difficult to get people sitting down with a history book as we did in the, in the 17th and 18th to read about the story. I can hear the sirens. Yeah. It's not the it's not the lead supporters of Norway coming to attack the United pub. Um, how are you feeling finally about this season? No, it, it's optimism and uh, enthusiasm again back in the club. Yeah, that's 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 the first thing we have seen. Of course, we have we have to uh, we have to continue uh, getting the results, of course. Uh, and uh, but I I, th- I think the what uh, Brian Robson and Gary Pallister I think was. Uh, Talking about yesterday about stronger characters, we don't, we can't be bullied anymore. I think that's been important from uh, Mr. Mourinho to bring in the players he have brought in, and I think we're much stronger and a much better chance this season than we have had the last three. So let's hope we at least can compete. I'm with former Manchester United defender Ronnie Johnson. Uh, Ronnie's in his homeland and has come to Oslo as part of the 35th celebrations for the Scandinavian Supporters Club. Describe United's support in Norway and Scandinavia, Ronnie. Oh, it's been uh, the interest for, for the club over here, It's uh, especially in Norway, I have to say. It's been uh, second to none. It's the biggest supporter club, supporter branch uh, here in Norway, of course, but it's uh, one of the biggest for United, it's uh, it's uh, really well done and well. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of you know uh, uh, fans here which uh, just love love the club, and you see that yesterday uh, it was so fun to to be you know watch the game with them uh, to to see the win yesterday. So no, it's it's a really it's a big big club here in Norway. When you were a young lad growing up in Norway. Did you, did you like English football? Did you support a Norwegian team? Or was your focus totally on playing? Because I know when you became a United lad, yeah. you, you fell in love with United. Yeah. But when you were 15, what was the situation? Then? The thing is, I um, they showed uh, they started. I think back in the 70s, they started to show English games here in uh, here in Norway. Uh, that's why you know there's such an interest for for English football here. So uh, I have to say. Uh, uh, I followed like United, but it was dif- more difficult then when uh, to follow a club which is now because you can go on the internet and you can get everything. But uh, every game now, every game, yeah, and also that. But uh, uh, why did uh, everybody has their own story? But uh, how they f- start to follow a club? But uh, for me, it was uh, a friend of mine who came uh, playing football with, uh, and he's got a United shirt. That was really rare at that time. And, uh, you know, I, everybody had to touch it, and I can. I even uh, he made me try it as well. So that was, you know, he was very. He followed United, so it was like a group of us that uh, starting to, to, you know, follow if you wanted. To. So as a kid, you were a United fan. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. Really. Yeah, that's true. So when you got the phone call, you were at Besiktas. Yeah. That Manchester United were interested in you. Yeah. What what happened? Was, no, it, was it your agent called? Yeah, my agent called me and said uh, I knew there was interest from 
a little bit here and there. Uh, From United? Yeah, they, they said that, oh, United is coming to see you because you, 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 when you played in the national team, there are always some rumours going around, but you never knew. But and when, do, the, do, when, when you say the rumours, when you hear that, you're thinking, I hope this is true. Yeah, but you try not to think about it, like because it uh, can affect your... Uh, Concentration. Concentration, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but you know, it, it was uh, the first telephone call I was uh, in Besiktas. Actually, it was like in in um, uh, around Christmas Christmas time. Uh, and my agent called me and said, uh, uh, "Sir Alex Ferguson wants to, to speak to." You. I said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> I thought he was joking, but uh, yeah, and it. He called me back, and you know it was. Uh, uh, so you're in your hotel in Istanbul. Yeah. And Ferguson called you. Yeah. Could you understand him? It was quite difficult that time, but you know it's. Uh, I could understand him. You know, it's. Uh, I think he tried to to <laughs> come across very. And what did he say to you? No, the thing that they, they were really looking for a centre half. Uh, I think there was some injuries at that time. They had a French man playing. I can't remember yeah. his name. Prunier. Yeah, Prunier. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, that hadn't really worked out. No. So he uh, really wanted me to come over, uh, but that was in the middle of the season with Besiktas. And, yeah. Uh, so that was '95 going into '96, yeah. then, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was. And they lost a game at Tottenham for one yeah, New Year's yeah, Day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to travel to Tottenham on New Year's Day like me and my mates did. <laughs> well, still won the league. Yeah, still won the league. So, uh, but uh, it went through that in, uh, in, the, in the summer, of course. So, yeah. uh, but uh, the first telephone call from uh, from the gaffer was, uh, <laughs> was unbelievable. And then you rang your girlfriend and said, "Look, yeah, it, it's you know, it's." Uh, uh, it came out in Norway also that uh, uh, Ferguson uh, wanted me, but you know everything went through. That then you yeah. know I was played on in Besiktas till the end of the season. Yeah. And then you at United for how long? Six years till wow. 2002. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So you had some great great times. Great times. Uh, a fantastic team. Uh, yeah, I mean a really truly fantastic team. Yeah. If you could, especially. Now, when yeah. you look back, yeah. I find as time goes on, yeah. you reflect more. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. You know, all the all the players that you had. You know, people try. People ask me, but it's, it's uh, about things, and I said, you know, why did you become so good? Uh, the team become so good and won a lot. You know, I think it's the way we train, and the, you know, uh, the concentration in training, the, the the level we had in training was unbelievable. You know, but, but that was also because of the players and you know and the will to win. They want to win all the time. And the, really... the, the more time passes by, the more stories players tell me about what happened in training. And there's things which happened which, if they would have come out at the time, would have been back page news. I mean, yeah, yeah. Ju just like not not fights, but just the yes. level of competition yeah. was so high. Yeah. Yeah. They'd smash into each other. Yeah, yeah. The manager would have to separate players. Yeah, yeah. Carlos Quiroz would have to separate players. Yeah, yeah. He'd tell them off. Yeah. Players would say, you just can't be doing this. Yeah, yeah. Roy Keane would yeah. be like, 
watching, yeah. approving of it all <laughs> because yeah. of the intensity. Yeah, that was the, unbelievable, the intensity. And I think, you know, for uh, in your art club, it's it's a healthy thing because it, everybody. But you need to, it can't go over the edge if you know. What yeah. I mean. it's just on the on the, on the, like a knife edge. It's uh, yeah. you can balance it. Ma- maximum yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every day you're going into training. Yeah. And it's like you're playing a game. Yeah. Because you know. Yeah, people are going to be tackling you. Yeah, and and uh, if you're everybody wants to win all the time, uh, and you want to be in the team. Yeah, and you want to be in the team. So uh, it's and you know for to balance that it was uh, you know that's what it was really good at as well. But it's uh, you could go a little bit over, but then it adjusted back again. But you know everybody wants to win all the time, and if you if you didn't win, uh, you know people are. Not happy, of course. So that's. Yeah. I've, I've had some stories this year, and I've, I've taken them to the players in question. Yeah. I said, "Is this true?" Yeah. They've gone, "Yeah." <laughs> like, Gee, imagine if this would have come out at yeah, the time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's absolutely true. Yeah. We didn't speak for three weeks after. You know, he tried to tackle me in my neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he he came in on his side and he yeah. came in on this side and yeah. then um, three days later we smashed Leeds away yeah. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. motivation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it is, it is. that yeah. was unbelievable are you optimistic about this season for United? yeah it looks absolutely it looks good now I have to say uh, very happy with the with the players coming in uh, you can change the team but also the way they where they play uh very happy with you know this new guy coming out the back of the league, uh, Eric Pogba of course and Slatan. But uh, you know, as a former defender, it's really nice to see uh, the new guy coming in. It looks really he's young, but uh, so he's still a big talent. But what he's shown is, uh, I have to say, I'm quite impressed. And. Um Moving on to, to the season about yourself, what are you doing now? No, I live back in Norway. Uh, work a little bit for the club now and then. Uh, took my coaching badges. Uh, work at a sports school at the moment. So maybe we're looking to do something else uh, with, uh, with the football in the future. Do some coaching? Yeah. Yeah, in Norway or? Yeah, whatever. Actually, I'm uh, looking here and there, so we'll see. We'll see. Thank you for your time. Yeah. United We Stand is sponsored by BetOnBrazil.com. It's a new betting site for all sports punters with great odds, markets, and offers. Listeners to this podcast can now get a free £10 when they deposit £10 just by using the promo code United10. Just visit BetOnBrazil.com and enter promo code United10. When you deposit your £10, you'll get £10 free. Sign up now at betonbrazil.com. Betonbrazil.com is for over 18s only. Betting should be fun, so please gamble responsibly. While I was in Norway, I also spoke to the former United winger, Ben Thornley. Uh, We'd watched United beat Hull together with a late winner from Marcus Rashford and asked him what it's like being a young lad coming into the United team, especially a young local boy. Not many people have experience of that, but Ben Thornley is one of them who does. What's it like when you're coming into a squad, um, when you're a Rashford, when you're a young kid, how does the pressure manifest itself? Do you know what, when when it was me, mm. I I didn't feel any pressure right, whatsoever. Fine. I, uh, and he I, doesn't I, seem to... And I, no, and the way he plays, mm. he doesn't look like he, he feels any pressure. Mm. And both when he 
came up last year when he started last year mm. when he came up yesterday yeah. during the during the Euros as well yeah. he should have got more minutes yeah. he's an absolute breath of fresh air yeah. he comes on he's lively he goes past people he worries defenders yeah. and I, I, I firmly believe that it won't be long before he's commanding a starting place in, in United and that will create a problem for, yeah. for Jose Mourinho I, I think it's a great problem to have yeah. when you've got somebody like that who's hungry who wants to come into the and what did he do yesterday when he came on I think the first thing I remember him doing was squaring up a defender and having a shot on target which mm. you know for for all the will in the world mm. everybody expected United to, to sweep all under the carpet mm. it didn't happen mm. they managed to get a goal in mm. what we call Fergie time mm. now which mm. is brilliant because mm. For the last two or three seasons, that's never been able. That's, yeah. That hasn't happened. Yeah. You you always feel as though if it's nil nil going into the last five minutes, that's yeah. the way it's going to stay. Yeah. But he he came on Rashford, and um, he, he made himself a nuisance. Yeah. And you know other other defenders, not just whole City's defenders, but anybody seeing him, yeah. are gonna are gonna think bloody hell. You know we've just got rid of such and such a body, and now Marcus Rashford's coming on. Yeah. And um, like I said, he was there, Johnny on the spot when it mattered. Yeah. Um, lovely little bit of work from Rooney and yeah. he's there to, to bang it in and yeah. there we are going into this national break Rooney's at least joint top of the table yeah Rooney's still got something to offer he, I think so mm. playing in the position that he's playing in mm. um, he has to keep on top of his game because yeah. there's so so much competition for yeah, place yeah, yeah, now yeah, yeah. there's no question about mm. it and I don't think you, it, anybody can afford especially with this manager mm. to have a dip in form because he'll remove you mm. and he'll replace yeah, you. Yeah. So, But at the moment, I went to the Bournemouth game, I thought Wayne Rooney played really well, he scored a goal. Didn't play as well against Southampton, yeah. but I do feel as though when I saw him in the summer and I saw him in the back end of last season, playing in the position that he's in, he's still a great passer of the ball. Yeah. Probably, with Michael Carrick, our best passer of the ball at the yeah. club still. Okay. And, and I feel as though he's still got plenty to offer. That celebration was mental yesterday, wasn't it, when they ran into the crowd? <laughs> I think it's just again what I've just said. It's it's relief, it's relief yeah. that you know things like that was something that United have been renowned for over the years. But for the last two or three seasons, it's yeah. eluded them. Yeah. And now, even us as fans going to the yeah, stadium, yeah, yeah. there's an air of anticipation that yeah. we're still going to do it, yeah. even if it's at the death. One final example: when you came in as a squad, uh, when you're a young lad, you're a young Manchester lad. Did, did a sort of player look after you? Did they take the pressure off you? Or at that, at that age, are you just fearless? Um, plenty of people speak to you. Yeah. Um, it is a, it is daunting from that aspect that you know all of a sudden you're elevated yeah. and you you're on the coach going to West Ham and. Uh, it, it, it's 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 and a little bit thousands of fans. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a little bit surreal for you because mm. one minute you were playing in the B team in front of fifteen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for even less than that, yeah. and the next minute you're at um, you know a, a real atmosphere, real hostile atmosphere yeah. at, um, at the bowling ground, which was everyone's on your case. Everybody, everybody's close to you. You're warming up, and you you know you're getting chance of who's this little shit and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, you know, and, yeah. that, and that's what they do. I remember Les Seeley having an argument with, yeah. with some of the West Ham fans. Yeah. But Saying what? Just arguing about, you know, yeah, you, you know, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and you're crap. It was just, it was something that you, 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 you don't realise goes on until you're actually there. And how does your life change? Because I spoke to Marcus in China and I said, what's it like going out in town now? And he went, 
don't really do it anymore. No. <laughs> I think it's a little bit, even, it's more, it's different now mm. than it was then. I think that um, even once we'd made our debuts and, and some of the lads had played, mm. you know, 10, 20, 30 games, mm. it was still not a problem for you to go out in the middle of Manchester right. and, and, yes, people to recognise you. Yeah. But I think it's just got to such an unbelievable level now yeah. that it, it's hard. it really is hard work. And I think Marcus is right. It's, yeah. uh, it's more trouble than it's worth. So that was Ben Thornley and before him, um, Ronnie Johnson. And that's it for this episode of United We Stand. We'll be back um, from Old Trafford uh, for the Manchester derby. And, well... Promises to be a hugely eventful game. Let's hope United's winning run can continue. But it's likely to also be the toughest match of the season. But we'll be round and about Old Trafford nice and early speaking to people before and after the game. And we'll get the podcast up as soon as we can after, probably Sunday morning. Until next time, goodbye.